Hello, X. Hi, X. Hello, X. Um, Hello, I X. Hope you're doing good. Uh, I hope that we didn't screw up the Earth yeah, too X. much. I want to apologize for it. better than it is now. Hello, X. Hello, X. Hello, X. I'm Christine Sin. I'm Anneli Stieberg. And I'm Valentin Mantz. This is episode two, What's Eating You? Part one. There is a bonus Norwegian version of this episode, which you can find on the HelloX podcast feed. In the last episode, we asked what X might eat in the Arctic in 2068. To imagine X's future food, we think we should start with the past. Today we will talk to Jenny and Helga Norgård, two women who've been producing food in northern Norway for a combined total of about a hundred years. But before that, we were having this little chat in the studio about our relationship to food production. I feel like there's this new wave of people, at least that we know, that are interested in how the food that they eat is produced. And then a few friends of ours who are, are trying to grow their own food, growing salad on the roof or having chickens or bees on your roof in London. Mm, I've tried growing my own cabbage, but it got eaten all by the flies. I'll try again. Yeah, we've made some experiments now. We've had different things growing. Potatoes. But that was a success, right? I think yeah. I remember you. You've saying. eaten the potatoes. Yeah, it was very nice. I grew up in a suburb in New Jersey, and New Jersey is called the Garden State, but yeah, I don't know. My grandmother grew a lot of vegetables, always. Tomatoes and cucumbers and pumpkins and squashes. She grew grapes in our backyard, but other than that, I wasn't particularly close to farming or any kind of food production. So, your grandfather is close to farming. Yeah, he's that's there. associate producer Marina Borovaya. He grew up farming and helping his parents working on land since he was very little, and now he's growing vegetables in his garden tomatoes and cucumbers and strawberries. He doesn't like flowers so much because you can't eat them. <laughs> He's very territorial about his garden. She accepts help, but everyone else is like a guest there and he's uh, in charge. It was your grandfather's pickles you were telling me about, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> he was giving and you the, tips. He uses the faces of the moon to get the fermentation process right. Really? Mm -hmm. How is the moon related to the pickled cabbage? I can't remember. How do you pull out the cabbage? I, I don't on the want new to moon. say it wrong. <laughs> no, maybe we have to call him. Yeah. Can we call him? Right now. Yeah, yeah. let's try to call him. Where is he in Russia? He's in Voronezh. It's in central Russia. Okay. About 600 kilometers from Moscow. Hello, Dedushka. Привет. Привет. How are I say, hi, Dedushka. And ask him how he's doing. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. 
And he's like, yeah, I hear you very well. And then I say, I have a question for you. How do you pickle the cabbage by the lunar calendar? And he says, now the time is not good. The moon is waning, so don't bother with it. But if you really want, uh, maybe you can try on the 18th of April. So he thinks you're going to make it right now. Yeah, I, he assumed that <laughs> right away. <laughs> and he doesn't even think it's strange that you've just called him to ask him about the pickled cabbage? Maybe he thought, like, finally she asked. <laughs> finally asking something meaningful. <laughs> Понятно. А что там с Луной? Когда новолуние или полнолуние? Какая должна быть фаза Луны? So on the full moon is the cabbage turns out best. On the full moon? Yeah, on the full moon. That's okay. what he said. And then I said that you're asking, how did he learn this? <laughs> and he says, oh, for this there is a lot of advice on the internet. If you look, you would find it for sure. So yeah, he looked it up on the internet, in fact. <laughs> but for the cabbage, if you don't follow the phases of the moon, then you know, a few times it really did turn out badly. The taste is okay, but it's soft, and I don't like it uh, when it's not crunchy. So we need to find out is why does it work? He told me because of the microorganisms, they become more active during the full moon. How do they know? That was... Uh, Everything no, knows. Scientists. Everyone knows humans respond to the moon, animals respond to the moon, plants respond to the moon. Yeah, and the microorganisms also respond to the moon. Okay, we're looking we, that up. I, we I just think don't that see this them. The, just he, because we don't see them. I did check with a friend who looked on a database of almost every known scientific study ever published. There is not yet anything about yeast and lunar cycles. I think, you know, Hello X has our creative team, we have our scientific team. I think we need a culinary team. We're gonna ask your grandfather, what's his name? Nikolai. Nikolai, that's it. He can join. Do we specialize we can be the on anything? Royal, royal tasters. I think fermentation sounds like a good start. The only thing you need is time. And apparently, the moon. The moon. So you just have to wait for the moon. So the next candidates for the Hello X Culinary Club are Jenny or Helga Nurgor. So a little bit of background on them. It's a very special place and a really special family. And they were the first family we spent Christmas with here in Norway. It was a family of 23 people. No, 33. 33 people this sitting was in, uh, around one table. 2013. It was incredible. Yeah, and it's a big family farm. They, they grow cabbages. And broccoli and kohlrabi and potatoes. And they milk goats there. You have Jenny and Helga. They're living both on the farm but in separate houses. So there's uh, Helga and Anna and Nina. 
and Arne is yeah. also called Brud. So Jenny is the mother, and then the grandmother. No, but Jenny is the mother of Helga. Jenny is the mother of everyone. And she's the she is the true matriarch with the door always open, and everyone can just wander in her, into her kitchen. And, and she grab makes something. waffles, and she has coffee. And she's very well read and, and nice to sit with. So. And there's Petra, who has got a, a big glasshouse with plants. A greenhouse, with, yeah. With flowers. So we went there last summer and we were chatting with them at Helga's kitchen table. I think that we had brought some food with us because we always bring some food with us. We had made some kimchi and some fish that we had caught. We're saying that we have brought some cod that we caught in a place called Aramfjord. And we're warning them that it has this strong flavor of kimchi, which is a spicy Korean pickled cabbage. So Jenny is asking if it was the card that you caught on Sunday. And if you were out the whole night fishing. So Valentin says, so we came back around 1.30 a.m. And then I say, but we didn't catch anything after we left here. And then Helga says, yesterday I was out with Jan Sigmund, who is her brother-in-law, and I don't even know how many fish we caught. Jenny knows exactly the amount. She's saying 17. And 17 is an enormous amount to catch in half an hour. Very envious. We were very curious about what things were like when Jenny was young. She came from a place called Sandvika, which nowadays seems very close to Norgord, but actually at that time would have felt somewhat far. So I'm asking Jenny, what did she dream about when she was young? <laughs> so Jenny replies, I'm not sure that I had any dreams. Did you want your own farm? After some time, I got what I wanted. And Valentin asks, but is that what you wanted? Well, she fell in love, is what Helga says. And Jenny adds, then I didn't think so much about the farm or the work. I was used to farm life and working, and it was a fairly easy farm to work on. And Helga saying that's because there was running water. <laughs> there was also running water in Sandvika. That's where she came from. Helga is surprised. She says, oh, really? But you used to talk about having to carry the water. Jenny replies, when the pipes were frozen, we had to carry the water. And she said, we carried the water with horses. According to the Statistics Norway Institute, there were around 200,000 horses working in the fields and forests of Norway in the 1950s. By the 70s, that number would go down 80%. So Jenny is saying that they used the horses to plow and plant potatoes. They planted the potatoes by hand. Their dad gave them a stick so they could measure and make sure that the potatoes were placed correctly in the soil.
Hela familjen hjälpte. So the whole family was helping, I ask? Ja, de har sett potet. Ja, ja. So Jenny is replying, yes, when we were planting potatoes, the whole family helped. When we had the tractor, it was only three. So I'm asking, so when did the tractor come? The tractor came in 1949. Planting the potatoes with the tractor. I felt it was kind of barbaric. The potatoes were planted so deep. Still made a good harvest, Helga says. In a way, my dream came true. I was married quite early. Valentin asked, well, how old were you? 21 years old. It's not very early, but it's still early. Helga says, you weren't 21 then. Jenny is saying, I hadn't celebrated my 21st birthday yet. So my parents had to sign or give their signature in order for me to get married. 21 years old was the age where you were legally an adult. I was not dry behind the ears, they said. <laughs> so how did you two meet? So Jenny is saying it was step by step. So Helga says that they went to the same parties. So I'm asking, how did you feel about him? <laughs> and Jenny replies, I'm not sure we should talk about it. <laughs> of course I thought he was an amazing man. And she stirs the tea. So Jenny marries Arne Norgard and moves to Norgard Farm. So I ask her, how many people were here at Norgard when you arrived? It was the 40s, right? No, it was 52. Helga says, no, no, it was 1952. So Jenny is saying, there was my mother-in-law, me and Arne. Oh, and Helga says, but what about Uncle Osmond? So Jenny is saying, my brother-in-law, he was living here, but he was out at sea a lot. So I ask, Helga was the first child? Yeah, she came after some time. And I ask Helga, you are the oldest. And Helga says, yeah. So Jenny is saying, she came quite fast, after only three months. She was born prematurely. After some time, there were four sisters, but then brother arrived. So brother is what they call Arne, uh, because they didn't want to confuse Arne the father with Arne the brother. So now I'm asking Helga, what was it like here at the farm in the 70s? How many people were working here? So there was mother and father, and then there was us kids as child labor. So in the summertime, we kids worked with the vegetables and getting in the hay. Jenny is saying, we had sheep the first years. We did not buy meat. We were self-sustained with meat, potatoes, carrots. 
Helga says we had lots of vegetables. Yes, we sold vegetables. It was part of our income. Did you have any favorite foods? Helga says lamb cutlets on Sundays. Those were really good. With cauliflower soup. That was the best. Jenny is saying, I can't remember any favorite food, but during the fall we had lamb with the cabbage. And Helga says, and blood sausage. We liked the blood sausage. Good, Helga says. So Jenny is saying, yes, we made blood sausage then. We used the intestines and part of the stomach and made sausages. That was a feast. So we went to the neighbors, they tasted our blood sausage and we tasted theirs. Then we discussed which one was best, what kind of recipe was used. It was an art form. It was very fun. Helga says it was so beautiful when all the herbs and spices were on the kitchen table. They were piled up in little pyramids. So there were all these beautiful colors in different shades. There was allspice and pepper. So for how long did you know that you wanted to be a farmer, I asked Helga. It's complicated, Helga says. I grew up knowing that I was the oldest child and therefore had the legal right to take over the farm. I grew up knowing that and that's just how it was. So I'm not sure when my brother was born, but I was 16 years old at the time. So in a way, that set me free. So Helga says she was set free when her brother was born, because at that time Norwegian inheritance law stated that any male child had the right to take over the farm. If there was more than one male child, the oldest son inherited this right. And if there were only female children, the oldest daughter would inherit the farm. Up until Helga was 16, she assumed she would take over the farm as the eldest daughter. But then her brother is born and she's quote-unquote set free to do something else. So the law in Norway changed so that girls could take over. But that only came later. When brother was born, the law was that he would then have the right to take over the farm. So Jenny is saying, but the law was relevant in your case. Yes, but not when he was born. At the time, I thought I was set free. I started to make other plans. I went to school and studied. In three years, you could get a trade certificate as a tailor, but I only did one year. Then I decided to try studying advertising for two years. But then the inheritance law changed. But the real reason that I didn't want to go into advertising, well, actually, there were two reasons. One was that there was this teacher. So he said, as advertisers, your job is to wake up 
the latent needs of the people. Och då skönte det att detta var inte min plats i världen alltså. This is when I realized that this was not my role in the world. Och så satt jag i i kön och The second thing occurred to me when I was sitting in a traffic jam trying to get into the city. I realized if I want to work as an advertiser, I have to live in the city. Och bo i by and to commute to the city every day and sit in a traffic jam. That wasn't the life for me. So I went to study agriculture. So Helga says that the Norwegian economy has improved a lot. But we farmers, we're not doing that well. Of course, it's better than it was in the 70s and 80s. So Jan is saying, if somebody wants to become rich, you do not choose to be a farmer. But there are many ways to be rich. It's a different way to live. My kids have told me they're not interested in taking over the farm. So somebody else will take over the farm. Helga says it could go a number of ways, but it's really difficult to know. So people want a good salary and they want free time. And the life of a farmer just isn't like that. On the other hand, there are people who would really like to farm, but it's difficult to get land. There are some people who want to buy farms and use them as vacation homes. So the price of land is driven up. So when the price of the farms are driven so high, only the very wealthy can afford to buy a farm. Det Stortinget skal gjøre, de har vedtatt lover som skal beskytte jorda, og fylkesmenn rundt omkring prøver så godt de kan. So Helga is saying that the county and town municipality are doing things to try and manage land. Bruker jord og krav fra utbyggere om å få lettvint jord til å bygge på. But they seem to be more sympathetic to the developers' needs for land that's easy to build on, and that means usually cultivated land, land without trees, without rocks. So farmland is the easiest land to develop real estate. So Helga's a bit worried about how the politicians are protecting this valuable resource, which is the land. You might think three acres here, three acres there, it's not really that much. But if you add it up, nationwide, suddenly thousands of acres of farmland are being converted into building sites every year. After decade, after decade, after decade. And this, when Norway has only 3-4% to arable land, so går det ikke lenger. It just won't work. Jenny is saying they come closer and closer. I see the apartment building projects close to here. It really is good cultivation soil that they are building on. I can imagine high-rise buildings row after row here. Helga says no way. I cannot imagine that.
<laughs> and he's saying, well, I can't imagine it, but I know I will not be here to see it. So now I'm asking, what about the future? What do you think about the future? How many great-grandchildren do you have already? And he says, I have three, and I'm waiting for three more this year. If what they say is true about man-made changes in the climate, you do worry. I ask them whether they have seen indications of climate change at Norgård. Yeah, they almost said. Well, then must so Helga says that the most obvious change is with the trees. The type of tree that can seed itself in northern Norway is changing. That when she went to agricultural school, they said that the spruce could not reproduce itself north of Saltfjell. Norgard is pretty far north of Saltfjell. So Saltfjell is almost a nine-hour drive from Tromsø. It's around 556 kilometers from Berg, roughly. Jenny is saying, I've heard that an iceberg the size of Hedmark County has broken off from Antarctica. Jenny's most likely referring to the 5,800 square kilometer piece that broke off the Larsen ice shelf in 2017. A study just published in Nature shows that since 2007, the Antarctic ice sheet, which holds approximately 61% of all the fresh water on Earth, is melting three times faster than in previous decades. Nobody knows what will happen if it starts to break into smaller pieces. Helga sees a business opportunity. They can take the part of the ice shelf that has broken off Antarctica and drag it up and sell it. We know that the world changes. It is not static. Helga says, so let's just agree that it's really difficult to predict the future. There are signs that there could be a food shortage in the world. With the ongoing climate crisis, people might have problems growing food, dry areas are getting drier, there's too little water. Also, the insects are struggling and pollination is a problem. So, if there's a food shortage, some countries may stop exporting food. Then Norway might have a problem buying food from foreign countries. Then the people who have land to cultivate in Norway will have a great advantage. Whether it will be my descendants who are actually farming the ground at Norgård, that's really hard to say. One can, of course, hope that your own descendants are farming. But the most important thing is not who is farming the land, but that the land continues to be farmed. So that's about it for episode two. We had an exciting announcement 
when we were visiting the Norgards for their legendary Eurovision party every year. And uh, the next morning we had coffee with Jenny Norgard and she was saying, oh, there's been a, a change. You know, Helga had said uh, last summer that none of her children were interested in taking over the farm. And what we found out was that since then, Magna and her partner, Mike, and her three kids are going to move from Lofoten and move back to Norgard and take over the farm. Stay posted for episode three, What's Eating You, part two, where we will talk to a group of scientists about the ecological food cycle and what might be the matter with human beings. And go to forum.hellox.me to become a member of the HelloX Culinary Club and learn how to make sauerkraut with the help of the moon. Valentin's already planted his cabbage. That is not a lie. Or you can just go into the forum and meet... Me and Annalie and Valentin, you can meet the writers, take part in some of the discussions happening around the fiction stories. Hope to see you there. Many, many thanks to the Hello X partners, including Trumsa Municipality, Polaria Science Museum, the Nansen Legacy Research Project, the North Norwegian Art Museum, from the High North Research Center for Climate and the Environment with its flagships Environmental Impact of Industrial Development in the North Effects of Climate Change on Sea and Coastal Ecology in the North Sea Ice in the Arctic Ocean Technology and Agreements Hazardous Substances Effects on Ecosystems and Human Health Effects of Climate Change on Terrestrial Ecosystems, Landscape, Society and Indigenous Peoples Ice Nine is supported by the Norwegian Arts Council, Spadabank Northern Norway, the Free Speech Foundation, Innovation Norway, and Koro, Public Art Norway. Hello X is produced by Ice Nine with Christine Sin, Anneli Stieberg, and Valentin Mans. Associate producers include Marina Borovaya and Annika Vistram. Language support by Martha Otte. Sound mix by Nathaniel Gustin. Digital design by Ismet Bakhtiar. Story generator developed by Ferkel Industries. The HelloX theme music is by Metatag on Hell Audio. Music for this episode was by Arthurs, Hoibi, and Richie on Not Applicable and Metatag. Thanks for listening, and we leave you with a track by Arthurs, Hoibi, and Richie on their album Explications, Untitled Number One.